0: Thank you for joining us. I pray that today's message will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and energize your faith. If you'd like to follow along with pastor's notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. Today we continue in our series, The Perfect Lamb. Faith means to have complete trust or confidence in someone or something. The Bible tells us that we cannot please God without faith. Just a little bit of faith the size of a mustard seed is enough to get you started. Pastor is going to explain what it takes to grow that faith and how we can have the same spirit of faith as Christ Jesus. Let's dive in to today's message, Faith.
1: We are kind of going to continue from where we were in the service this morning. but We are talking about the blood and what the blood of Jesus has purchased for us. I just want to start with two kind of like springboard texts. Romans 325, which says, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. So literally it says he's a propitiation or a sacrifice for us through faith in his blood. A lot of Christians have no idea that we're supposed to have faith in Jesus' blood. You cannot have faith in what you don't know or don't understand. So we need to have understanding about what the blood of Jesus has purchased for us. And it's Revelation 12, verse 11, that says they, that's all of us, overcome him, that's the devil and everything that he brings, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So there's no overcoming victory without two things. Understanding what the blood of Jesus purchased for us and the word of our testimony. In other words, we need to speak what the blood of Jesus has purchased for us. And then their text for tonight, Revelation 1 verses five and six, "To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood, and has made us to be kings and priests." To God, His Father, to Him be glory forever and ever, Amen. So, the blood of Jesus not only brings forgiveness; it watches us from our sins. The Bible tells us it redeemed us. The Bible tells us that we have peace with God through the blood. We're justified through the blood. We're translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His Blood, of His Son, the Son of His Love, through the blood. And the blood has made us to be both kings and priests to God the Father. Now, it's in Romans chapter 5 that it says to reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. See, he made us a king, and the Bible tells us we're supposed to reign as kings in life. Now, the, the, the way that we exercise the authority that we have in Christ is by speaking the word of God. In fact, we say it like this that God's word is law in the realm of the spirit. And you're a king. And it's in Ecclesiastes 8 and 4, where it says, Where the word of a king is, there is power. So the authority that you have, you can go around with that authority and do nothing. But the way that it is released is by believing and speaking. In Hebrews 10, 23, it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Sometimes we're sowing seeds, we're speaking, and we're like, is something happening? Is it making a difference? The Bible says, no, just hang on. Do not waver, right? Because he who promised is faithful. In fact, Hebrews 3 and 1 says that Jesus is the high priest of our confession. Now, basically, a prophet is someone who goes to God, gets a word from God, and brings it to the people. But a priest was someone who would go to the people, get the people's need, and take that need to God. Now, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the high priest of our confession. In other words, we say something, and Jesus is saying what we say to the Father. He's taking our confession to the Father. Now, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13, Since we have the same or the identical spirit of faith. We talked about it just a little bit this morning. Uh, It's possible to learn some principles about faith. But principles will not work without the spirit of faith. And the spirit of faith, listen, is more caught than it is taught. But the most important possession that you or I could ever have is the spirit of faith. David had it at about 15 years old. Moses had it when he was 80. Right. It has nothing to do with your age. But again, Second Corinthians 4, 13, since we have the same, the identical spirit of faith. So faith is not going to work one way for David, another way for Jesus, another way for John or Peter or James, and a different way for you. Faith is going to work the same way for everybody. It is the identical spirit of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, you can count them 20 times. It says, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. It says in uh, Hebrews 11 and 6 that without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to connect with God. It's impossible to receive from God without faith. Now, the good news is this. In Romans 12, verse 13... It says, as God has dealt to everyone among you, the measure of faith. If you're a believer, you've got it. You've got it. You have faith. And it doesn't take a ton. Because Jesus said, if you have faith just the size of a mustard seed, like the smallest seed possible. all right? He said, your your faith, it can work. Now, that doesn't mean we should stay there. I love what, it, what, what uh, Paul wrote when he said to the Thessalonians, he said, your faith grows exceedingly. Your faith grows exceedingly. So where we are today is not where we should end up. The Bible says God takes us from glory to glory and from faith to faith. From faith to faith. So what that means to me is this, and to you. It means the faith that I had when I started out in God is not enough to get me everywhere God wants me to go. I'm supposed to go from faith to faith. My faith needs to grow in order for for, for me to fulfill God's plan and God's purpose. And your faith needs to grow in order for you to fulfill God's plan and God's purpose. But the good thing is, you know, if I'm a believer, God's already given me the measure of faith. I've got what it takes to get started. And I need to use what I have today. Right? So without faith, we can't please God. Good news is you have faith. And secondly, the Bible tells us in Romans ten seventeen. so then faith comes by hearing. Not having heard, but by hearing. And hearing by the word of God, or the report concerning Christ. So our faith keeps on growing. It grows as we hear and understand the word. Uh, Jesus said it this way in Mark chapter 4, verse 24. I love the amplified translation of this. But Jesus said, the amount of thought and study you give to the truth that you hear will be the amount of power and virtue that comes to you. So it's not just that we hear it, but we need to meditate on it. We don't need it up here. We need it down here. We need it in our hearts. But let's uh, take a look again at Mark chapter 11. We started to look at it a little bit this morning where Jesus talks about faith with his disciples. Now, Jesus is staying in Bethany at the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Bethany is probably three miles from Jerusalem, maybe not even that far. It's just on the other side of the Mount of Olives. So you would come up the Mount of Olives, walk down, cross this little valley, the the Kidron Valley, and uh, right up into the Temple Mount. So Jesus is staying there. He gets up in the morning. He passes by a fig tree. Jesus is hungry. He goes over. He looks at the tree. There's no fruit on the tree. And Jesus said to the tree, no one ever eat fruit from you again forever. He went into Jerusalem. He taught in the temple. He went back to Bethany almost without a doubt. He walked right by the same tree, right? Spent the night at Bethany, got up the next morning, is going back into Jerusalem, climbs up the Mount of Olives, is going down, and there's that fig tree. And the disciples see the tree. And again, they said, Jesus, look at the tree that you cursed. Right? Again, Jesus did not say, you blankety, blank, blank tree. Right? That's not what he said. Jesus said, no one eat fruit of you again forever. Right? Now, the, the Bible tells us very clearly, but particularly in the Old Testament, it talks to priests and says you need to bless. You need to bless in the name of the Lord. Right? And you can curse. Now, cursing something is not saying four-letter words. It's speaking negative words about something. See, you bless by speaking positive words, but you curse by speaking negative words. Right? So Jesus said to them, At that point, this is Mark 11, verse 22. He said, have faith in God, King James. Uh, Several translations say have the faith of God. And uh, some Greek scholars translate it like this, have the faith of God. Have the faith of God. For sure, it's the God kind of faith. You look at, at Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2. God said, and then God saw. God said, and then God saw. God said, and then God saw. And God said, and then God saw. Right? God spoke what he believed, and then it appeared. God did not speak what he saw. In fact, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it says that the earth is without form, and it's void, some translations actually say it is, it is uh, chaotic. Right? There, it's it's uh, darkness is covering the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God is moving on the face of the waters. And God said, He didn't say, What a mess. He didn't say, My goodness, it's very dark. What God said was, Let there be light. So God did not say what He saw, correct? he saw what he wanted. He said what he wanted and what he believed. And then what he said came to pass. Right? So the God kind of faith is you believe and you speak. You believe and you speak. Again, Jesus begins in Mark eleven twenty three, and says, verily, some of your translations say, surely or truly, Jesus is speaking. The one thing that all of us know about Jesus is he always tells the truth. So when he begins a conversation telling you, I'm going to tell you the truth, it means two things. Number one, of course, is I'm going to tell you the truth. But the second thing that it means is you will not believe it. So Jesus warns us, I'm going to tell you how faith works. But when I tell you, you will think that can't be right. That can't be it. It's not that simple. There's got to be more to it. That's not it. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever will say to this mountain, Be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things that he saith will come to pass. He will have whatsoever he saith. So Jesus said this works for who? Whosoever will say Whosoever will what? Say. say. So the first thing that my faith or your faith will ever move is our mouth. And if it doesn't move our mouth, it will never move a mountain. Right? Faith does not work if we just believe it. Jesus said faith works for whosoever will say. And who does it work for? Whosoever. Now, I know what. for, for years I would read this and I would hear what Jesus said, but this is what I would think. I would think, well, yeah, that worked for you because you're Jesus. You're God. My goodness, of course it works. You know, in my mind, Jesus was saying to them, look, you saw what I did to the fig tree? Don't try it, right? If you were to try this, you would blow the lips off your face. (laughs) See, I thought that Jesus was saying, don't do this. But the truth is, he is saying, Do this. He's saying this will, whosoever can do this, whosoever will say to the mountain. So the first thing your faith moves is your mouth. And notice Jesus didn't say to talk about the mountain, which is what most of us do. We talk about the problem. We'll tell people how long we've had it, how much it hurts, how much it costs. How long it's been in the family. Man, my dad had it. My granddad had it. My uncle had it. We talk about the mountain. And Jesus did not say to talk about it. In fact, the more you talk about it, the bigger it gets in your mind. But he said to talk to the mountain. Call that thing up. 1-800-Mountain. And let me just say, for most of us, it's a local call. That mountain is not far away, all right? Call that mountain up and say, Mountain, I have a few things I want to say to you. I'm telling you right now that you need to leave in Jesus' name because I have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Right? We need to talk to the mountain, not about the mountain. All right? And the mountain, listen, needs to hear your voice. Right? That mountain needs to hear you. Somebody said, well, you know, I just think maybe, Pastor, you would talk to my mountain. Can you talk to my mountain for me? Well, that would be like you need to lose 20 pounds and say, Pastor, please go to the gym. <laughs> well, if that were the case, how many of you know you wouldn't lose 20 pounds? I would. Right? See, so your mountain needs to hear your voice. And, and I want you to think about it like this. It's like in the spirit realm your voice is your address where the blessing is going to come is where the speaking is happening. And I know that many people are not doing what Jesus has said here, but listen, if you knew what was on the other side of that mountain, you would start speaking because for some of us, there's deliverance, there's peace, there's provision, there's healing. There is a breakthrough on the other side of that mountain. Now, again, being from West Michigan, I I was brought up in a church where we believed that everything that ever happened to us, God planned for it before the world was began. Absolutely, this is what we thought, that, that God planned everything that was gonna happen and everything that happened was God's will. To the extent, you think I'm kidding, but I'm not. It's like if we were to fall down the stairs, we'd go, man, I'm glad that's done because God planned for that. I'm glad that's all over. Because everything we go through, we think God God sent it. And it's God's will. And if God wants something to happen, he makes it happen. But look, if the mountain was God's will, if God wanted you to have the mountain, Jesus would have never told you how to move it. You see, the the idea that everything that happens is just God's will. No, Jesus said it's not up to God whether the mountain stays or leaves. According to Jesus, the mountain will obey you. It will obey you. So it's up to you whether that mountain stays or whether that mountain leaves. Now, in Mark eleven twenty three, if you, you look at the verse very carefully, you'll notice that it says, Whosoever will say, believe those things he saith. He'll have whatsoever he saith. Three times... Vocalization is mentioned, and once believing is mentioned. Right? So the first time that the word is used for vocalization, whosoever will say, is the Greek word epo, E-P-O. It means to command. Right? It means to have authority. Not hope, not maybe, right? but command something to happen. Right? So whosoever will say, whosoever will command, Right? This mountain, be removed. Right? Not sheepishly. Well, I hope you'll move. Be nice. No. You command with authority. Not a suggestion, not hoping, not maybe, but you command. And he says he'll have those things which he saith. All right? The, the, the Greek word there that saith is L-A-L-E-O. labeo. It means to speak out boldly and use your voice. To speak boldly and use your voice. This isn't something you just think. This needs to be something that you say with your mouth. And then the last words, he says, you'll have whatsoever you say. He'll have whatsoever he saith. That is the Greek word lego. And again, all grandparents know what legos are. All parents know what legos are. Right? you buy them for your kids and they can take those little parts and they put them together systematically and they can make about anything out of them right well it's interesting that the greek word lego it means your set systematic discourse your set systematic discourse what you say what you tell and what you declare to others Think about that. So Jesus said, you'll have your set systematic discourse. You see, when, when we speak something, our words are like seeds that get planted, right? And those seeds, over time, they're gonna bring forth some fruit. They're gonna produce what we say, right? So we are constantly building or sowing that seed or watering the seed. And really what Jesus is telling us, just like a, a child can take Legos and build something, he's saying, with your words, in the same way as that child can sit and build something, with your words, you can build something in the spirit. You can build something. All right? Now, he said, you'll have whatsoever you say. Now, what Jesus did not say is that you'll have whatsoever you say in church. Because in church, people tend to say the right thing. In church, I'm healed, I'm delivered, I'm blessed. But you get in your car, and you haven't even made it down to the parkway. And you may be saying some other things. the you know, example I used before, you, you're saying, you know, my, 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 my neighbor, he was out cutting his grass last month and had an aneurysm and fell over and dropped dead. And I think, I've got a headache, and I might have one. See? what are you saying? It's not just what you say in church. It's your set systematic discourse. And Jesus said, you'll speak to that mountain and say, be removed and cast into the sea. Now, most Christians would be very happy if their mountain just moved to their neighbor's yard. Just give me a little bit of relief. But let me tell you what the sea is. The sea is the only place that's big enough to receive a mountain and cover it up so that it's completely gone. So what Jesus is saying is that if you will speak to that mountain, it will obey you and it will be removed and it will be cast out to the point where years later, two years later, five years later, you'll look and there is no sign that the mountain was ever even there. There is no residue. You'll say to somebody, well, you know, I used to have a problem with alcohol too. And they'll look at you and you go, you liar, you never did. Because there will be no evidence that it was ever there. It can be totally, completely, 100% gone. And Jesus said, you'll have whatsoever you lay go. Whatsoever you consistently say. Now, Romans chapter 4. In verse 17, as it is written, God is speaking. He's speaking to Abraham. I have made you the father of many nations. Now, here's the deal. Abraham is 90 plus years old. And God says, I have made you the father of many nations. But Abraham doesn't have any children yet. But in God's mind, it's already a done thing. When the children of Israel come to the promised land, they haven't even crossed over the Jordan River yet. And God says, I have given you the land. God says it's already a done deal, right? But they haven't crossed over. They haven't fought the first battle, but God says the victory's yours. I've given you the land. So I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God, whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence. The things that do not exist. Other translation says, who calls the things that be not as though they were. So God says to Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations. Now listen, and he's calling things that be not as though they already are. But here's what he says to to Abram. He says, Abraham, which simply means a prince. His name, Abram, means a prince. He changes his name. And he changes his name to Abraham, which means little to us, but it literally means the father of multitudes. So how many kids does he have? None. But God said, I've made you the father of nations. And he changes his name. And Abram now is Abraham. And can you imagine him going to the market the next day? Abe, and, and he said, no, my name is Abraham, the father of a multitude. And they say, uh, how many kids do you have? And he says, well, none. And they said, uh, how old are you? He said, what, 98. Oh, okay. And they're writing him off as like, you know, his elevator isn't making it all the way up. Right? But he is saying what God has said about him. And he is calling things that be not, as though they were. Right? He begins to confess what God says before he sees it. Right? Now I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. In the spirit realm, God's word is law. It is law in the realm of the spirit. Right. So, in hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. And he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the, the uh, barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew. He grew strong in faith. Say that he grew strong in faith. So he started out not strong in faith, but he just kept on saying what God said about him and kept on saying what God said about him. And his faith got stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. See? Just like Abraham had to call something that was not as though it was. God tells you and I to do the same thing. In Philemon 1 and 6, it says to acknowledge every good thing which is in you in Christ. Now, in Christ, you're delivered. In Christ, you're free. In Christ, there's provision. In Christ, there's healing. But we need to begin to say what the blood of Jesus has purchased for us. Because we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. In Luke 15, in verse 5, And the apostles said to Jesus, increase our faith. And Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, New King James, you can say to this mulberry tree, Uh, I, I love the ASV, Jesus said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you would say, if you had faith, you would say, say it again. If you had faith, you would say another translation says it like this. If you had faith, you would be saying, if you had faith, you would be saying, right? Because when you've got faith, you're going to say something. You're going to say what God says. When Moses sends the 12 spies into the promised land and they come back and they give their report. Now, God has already said, I've given you the land. But 10 of them stand up and say, that land is just like God said. It flows with milk and honey. But there's seven nations more powerful than us. There's walled cities and there's giants. And we cannot go in and take possession. And this is what God said. He said, they gave an evil report about the land which they passed through. They gave an evil report. Now, two of the spies, that was what Ten said, Joshua and Caleb stood up and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome. Now, it's very interesting that God later in the next chapter made this statement. And he said, Caleb, because he has a different spirit. It was the spirit of faith. He will go in and take possession. But the ten who said, we cannot go in. God said they gave a bad report. Now, they said there's seven nations, and it's true. There's giants. That's true. There's walled cities. That's true. But they said, we cannot go in. And God said, I've given it to you. See, when you disagree with God, it's a bad report. It's an evil report. God wants you and I to speak what he has said about our situation, about our life, about our body, about our circumstances, about our family, about our finances. We need to say what God has said. Now, the interesting thing, I think, is all 12 saw the exact same thing. All 12 went through the land for 40 days. All 12 saw the same giants, The same cities and the same uh, walled cities, the same giants. They saw the same thing, but they had different reports. Because literally, you do not see with your eyes. You see through your eyes. But you see with your spirit. And two of them had a spirit of faith. And they saw those giants, and they said, man, they are meat on our table. God's for us. The other one saw the same giants and said, we can't go in. Why we're like grasshoppers in their sight. They're so big. So it's not the problem that defeats you. It's what's in your heart. It's what's in your heart. So Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what we've got to do is we've got to put God's word in our heart. So, when you read the Word, the first thing that happens, it's in your mind. But you meditate on it, and it gets into your heart. But you've got to put God's Word in your heart consistently. Because Jesus said, out of what's in the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. You're going to to be talking out of what's in the abundance of your heart. And if what's in the abundance of your heart is God's Word, it's God's Word that's going to come out. Let me let me close with a little story. Daniel, are you here? There's Daniel. Wave at everybody. Uh, I I took Daniel and his brother. This was uh, 20 years 20 years ago, maybe a little more. Took them fishing up near Ludington. We were out on a boat. We went out north of Ludington, what they call the point, and we were fishing. And we'd been out for five or six hours, and time to come back. And so we're heading back across Lake Michigan. We're probably two miles from shore. It's a little bit rough that day, but not bad. We're probably going about 25, 30 miles an hour in this boat. We're Hitting these waves. And all of a sudden, the motor starts to sputter. Well, the captain, he he puts that boat in neutral, and he turns it off, and he lifts up the motor cover. And when he does, water just starts coming in. Now, at this point, we do not know what has happened. But we had hit a log, and there is a hole in the bottom of the boat about this big. But we don't know it. So he goes over and tries to restart that motor, but it's already underwater. Right? He grabs the radio, goes, Mayday, Mayday, Coast Guard, Mayday, Mayday. He's screaming, Coast Guard answers. And they say, What's happening? He says, We're sinking, we're sinking. And we are now standing in water. And uh, the Coast Guard says, Where are you? And he's got that big fancy Lowrance thing up there, you know. So he gives them the little ranch numbers. They know within probably 50 yards of exactly where we are. And they said, "We're, we're dispatching a boat, and they'll be there in 20 minutes." Right? Yeah. And uh, he turns around, and uh, by now that, that water is probably halfway up to my knees. And, and uh, let me just say that, that, there was so, that there was more panic and fear in his eyes and in his face than I'd ever seen in anybody. And I said to him, I said, do you have any any life jackets? And, and he said, yeah, I got a couple. And so I threw one on Daniel, one on Samuel, and he's right here. He can testify. I threw both of them in Lake Michigan, pointed towards shore and said, swim that way. And, 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 and I look back. I'm not sure that was the best thing to do. <laughs> listen, listen. But I had seen movies where boats sunk. Anybody ever seen a movie where a boat sunk and they had that, you know, that vortex thing? You know? And I'm like, I'm not letting the boys go down. All right. So once I threw them in, I turned to him. And literally, the water is now at my knees. All right? it, it maybe, maybe, max two minutes, and the boat's going to go under. All right? And he said to me, he said, uh, I can't swim. Okay. And I thought, my first thought was what? I've done a hundred triathlons. I've swam competitively. I could teach you. And then I thought, there's no time. <laughs> well, we've got 60 seconds before this boat goes and there is no time for swimming lessons for you. Okay. Now here's what most Christians do. Most Christians wait till their boat is sinking, right? And then they're like, where's that verse? What right. well, doesn't the Bible say someplace? All right. If you wait until your boat is sinking before you try to grab hold of the word of God, you're going to be in pretty rough shape. Right? But if you will put God's word in your heart today and put God's word in your heart tomorrow and put God's word in your heart on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday and again on Saturday, if you will put God's word in your heart every day, Someday, the Bible says this, listen, it says if you faint in the day of adversity, it says your strength or your faith is small. Right? Everybody, every, listen, everybody eventually has a day of adversity. Right? But if you've got God's word in your heart, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. Right? But if you wait until the day of adversity to put God's word in your heart, you're going to be in bad shape. That's why we need to put God's word in our heart every day. That's why Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How many know God sent them manna every day? He sent them manna every day. And Jesus said, I'm the true manna that came down from heaven. We put that in our heart, and we will be ready when the day of adversity comes. Did you know the Bible says we've written these things to you that you may know that you have everlasting life? That's right. Know that you have it. Not I hope I'm on my way to heaven. Not I'm trying to be a good person. But you're supposed to know, not find out when you die, but know that you're right with God. And if you don't know that in your heart, I want to pray with you today. If you say, I want to be right with God. I want to be forgiven. I want to be a part of his family. I want to live for God. If that is you, and you don't know for sure, you're just like, I thought I'd die and find out if I made it to heaven. Would you bow your head, pray this prayer with me. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe that he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm holding nothing back. I'm going to live for him every day. And I thank you that you love me that you've heard my prayer, that you forgive me, that I'm a part of your family now, today and forever. In Jesus name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that simple prayer, God heard that prayer and you really are forgiven and right with God. Now, I wrote a book to help you keep growing spiritually, and I want to give it to you absolutely free of charge. Now, you can download that book or you can contact us, and we will send you a hard copy free of charge. And again, this book is going to help you. It is going to bless you in your spiritual walk. God bless.
0: If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you're making one of the best decisions of your life. How awesome. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book be mailed to you, or you can download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Today's program is available on Roku and Amazon Fire TV by searching Walking By Faith, or you can check out our app where you can download any message for easy offline listening. Walking By Faith is used to change lives all around the world on and off the air. We would love for you to partner with us and help make a difference in others' lives by logging on to walkingbyfaith.tv give. If you are in need of prayer or God is doing amazing things in your life, we would love to connect with you. Contact us by phone, email, or through our app. You can also find us on your favorite social platform by searching WBF TV. Next week, we'll be finishing up this series. And until then, be blessed.